So we're doing this series on Multiply. And um, man, this has been fun. And, and like this week, we kind of it kind of turned. The book kind of changed course. I think I may be a week ahead of you guys. I think in the reading is the way it's going. So uh, what I read this week was about creation in the fall. And it's just so cool how this book has been setting up a story of God's love and all these kinds of things. And now it kind of shifts into actually beginning to understand the Bible. And, and the Bible, like to read it and to, and to get something out of it, it takes some training, doesn't it? It's, it's hard to sometimes just pick it up and understand what's going on. And, and it's, we can't just decide what the Bible is trying to say because it was written by people who had, a, who had an agenda. They were trying to say something. God had spoken a word to them. And so it's our job to try to figure out what it meant and then what it means. And, you know, again, we talk about this. The whole thing is not written to us, but it's all written for us so that we would learn how to apply it to our lives. But it takes some work and some effort, but it's worth it because God speaks to it. And this week, uh, this, this week, we're talking about the first three chapters of Genesis. And I am like, the reason I'm so dressed up, some of you are like, why is he so dressed up? Well, I'm so dressed up because I'm talking about something I really am learning to love. Like, I'm, I, I'm, an, I'm a New Testament guy. And if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that. You're like, yes, yes. But I'm learning to love the Old Testament. And so I said on Facebook this week, this is a love story. And I was talking to somebody before, and I said, we're going to preach on Genesis. And she was like, I thought you said it was a love story. And I was like, it is. And so we're going to get there, but let me tell you, it might take just a minute. Uh, so we'll get there, though. Trust me. The whole Bible basically tells a story from beginning to end, and the story is of God's perfect plan, right? Our failure, and God's redemption, and God's plan uh, forever. That's the story of the Bible. And in the first three chapters of Genesis, you get to see this story lived out. And too many of us, we, we come to Genesis and we want to approach it as a history book or a textbook. And what I told you to do this week or asked you to do is approach it as a love story. Because if you'll approach this as a love story, God will speak a new word to you. And so let's, let's just jump in. Genesis 1, if you've got your Bible, open it up. I see some of you do. If not, we'll have some Bible verses on the screen. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Okay, so go back one for me, and if you don't mind. It says, in the beginning, God created. So if I was to say, God is the, what would you say? In the beginning, God created. So God is the creator. God is a creator. God is the creator of the world. And so we read this, and again, I know some of us, and maybe like if you're in college, or you know, I'm at college, or you're in college, or you're just you're, you're learning or whatever, like you may say, well, this doesn't really make sense to me. And so we get bogged down in the details of the story. Don't worry about the details of the story. Whether it was seven days or seven million, some people are like, where's the dinosaurs, Tommy? Where's the dinosaurs? I don't know, in the back. <laughs> They're just standing there. They don't, they don't have to talk because they're bad. And when you're bad, you just stand there like this. That's the guy you got to worry about the fight. You didn't have to worry about me. And like, zap, 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 zap. You worry about this guy. <laughs> They're in there. They're just in the back, right? I don't know. I'm not worried about that. What I'm trying to do is, what does God want me to understand about this part of the story? And I think what God wants me to understand is that he is the creator, that God is the author and sustainer of all things. And you're like, well, what about the big bang? Okay, bang. God created 
what we all agree on, if there was a time in the world, and whether you're a scientist or a pastor, and I believe you can be both those, science and, and Christianity don't have to be at war with each other. We're actually we're learning to get along much better. Science is not our enemy. What we're learning is that, is that the world at one point was empty. There was nothing, and everyone agrees with this. And then life happened, and we've got all these different theories. Our belief is that God started it all. I don't know exactly how it worked. Again, I wasn't there. But God started it all. He is the one who pushed that first domino. And so God is the creator. And how did he create it? This is where it gets cool right here. You all right? Genesis 1-3. And God said, and God said, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, which made sense to everybody, and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. All right, y'all notice everything God creates, he says it's good. You know why God says it's good? Because God is good. Because God is good. God, what, what he creates is good. And so how did God create light? How did he, he, he did what? He spoke it. Isn't that cool? He spoke it into existence. And so there is something powerful about the word of God. And I want you guys to remember this. I want you to remember that in Genesis, whatever 2, 3 this is, God spoke, his word went out, and the world was changed. Because when you get to John 1, you're going to see something that's really cool. You're going to see in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God in the beginning. And you remember this, that the word has always been, that God speaks and his word goes out and things happen. And so when you get to John, you're going to begin to connect the dots and go, ooh, that dude in that cute yellow shirt, he told me this would happen. And it is cute. (laughs) Whatever. God speaks. And so God owns the world, right? He created it. He owns it. But into this world that God owns, in this world that God creates, he allowed someone else to rule under him. That that God would have some... um, some deputies, I think is the word Tim Mackey used. He, would, he gives some people authority to rule. And this species that God created to rule is called what? Humanity. Or the word for that is Adam. Adam, Adom, A-D-O-M, that means humanity. And so God allows humanity to rule over the earth. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. Okay, do y'all get the feeling God is talking to some other people here? I wonder who it is. Any ideas? I'm going with the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, so God is a triune God. There's three of them, but God is talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and, all over, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, Adam, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish, rule over the birds, and over every living creature that goes along the ground. Boom! That's why I hunt and fish. You hear this? Don't be telling me that's wrong. I kill deer because the Bible tells me to do it. It's out of my hands. Rule over things. And there's something really beautiful in that first. Go, go back to the very 126, the very first part of that. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Oh, in our image. We are created in the image of God. Uh, it's, y'all ever heard the term imago dia? That means image of God. Like we are created in the image of God to be workers over this world and to rule it. In the image of God. 
We were created to reflect his rule. And so where we go, things should happen like they happen when God goes there. And because we're in the image of God, we can love. And because we're in the image of God, we can bring peace. And because we're in the image of God, we can bring hope. And because we're in the image of God, we can create life. And we can sustain life. And and all these amazing things that we have because we are created in the image of God. And you know what we're created in the image of God to do? Work. (laughs) But it's good. Like work was joyful and it brought, it brought, it brought peace and it, and it, was, it was fulfilling and, and meaningful. And this is what we were created to do, to rule the world in the way God ruled the world. He gave us humanity this, this privileged position that we would reflect the king. And so that everywhere there's a human, we are reflections of the king. We are monuments to the king everywhere we go. And that is what we were created to be and do. And it was good. And it was good. And th- this may be my favorite part of the story of the creation. When God begins to create male and female, when he creates humanity, listen to how it shifts from just speaking it into existence to something different. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed. Is that not, when you form something, don't you touch it? It's hard to form something, you know, with your, with your nose. It's hard. When you form something, you touch it. And not only is he forming it, he's not just speaking it, he is touching us. This is intimacy. He is forming us. And then he breathes life into us. And then, it, and then it goes on and it says, didn't just, didn't just create man. He says, so the Lord God caused the man. In verse 21, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place of flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. And then in verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So God creates man and woman. And right here's another area where we're like, well, hold on now. No, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about any of those things. It's not the point. The point is God loves you, and God created you in his image intimately and carefully. He's taking his time, and it says they were naked in front of God and felt no shame. Isn't that good? Like, do you, do you know that what he's saying here is they were completely revealed in front of God, and they weren't guilty. Can you imagine standing in front of God and feeling no guilt and no shame? Like standing completely known. God, you know everything about me, and I'm just, I'm completely good with everything you know about me. Have any of y'all ever felt that? Mm -mm. Completely known and completely loved. Man, it's gorgeous. They felt no shame. I'm not even going to make a a joke about their nakedness today just because I like that part so much. It's intimate, man. Intimately, man and woman were created to serve God. And it was good, right? And it was good. And all of creation was good. And the light was good, and the fish were good, and the the animals were good, and man was good, and woman was good. It was good, I'm good, you're good, we're good, we're all good, right? So would you look at the world right now and say, it's good? Yeah. There's racism. There's war. There's poverty death, sickness, disease. I mean, we got corona, all that. I mean, there's division. My gosh, have you ever seen such division? There's division. 
There's all these things. In this world that was good, there seems to be a bunch of things that aren't good. And it's not just out there. It's not just the world around me. It's not just the brokenness of the world because there's things that aren't good inside of me. Has anyone other than me ever had a bad thought? Raise your hand. Do not get caught lying in church. (laughs) Boy, it's lightning. Like, there are things inside of me that I know aren't good. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask any of my teachers from first grade until 12th grade, they would confirm there is bad inside of Tommy. They confirm it for you. Bad. There are things in me that are not good, but I'm confused because God created man in a good world and man was good, but what happened to me then? Something went wrong. Something's messed up. Something is not as it was intended to be. You know how we see, when we see bad in the world, we say, man, that's just not right. You know why we say that? Because it's just not right. Because there's something inside of us that goes, this is not the way it was intended to be. And there's a reason for that. David, the guy who, um, in the Bible, who's a man after God's own heart, he said this in Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgression and sin is always before me against you, and you only have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict, and you're justified when you judge. And this is the kicker. Surely I was sinful even even at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And this is the message of the Bible, that God creates this good world and everything's good, but somewhere along the line, something happened. And now David, this guy who's after God's own heart, says, I was sinful even in my mother's womb. Before I had ever had a chance to actually sin, there was a sin gene in me that was corrupting me. And we're not born perfect and we become bad. We're born broken. Into God's good world. Humanity is broken, and there's a reason for it, and the reason is something called original sin. There is sin in the world, and the sin of one has become the sin of all, and what stained one has stained all, and and we're going to read this story in a minute. You're going to go, why would I be blamed for someone else's sin? Because you've done it too. So have I, and you're like, where's the love story, Jones? We're going to get there. Stick with me. Original sin, Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, or the Lord God commanded humanity, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, from when you eat from it, you will certainly die. All right, this tree, so so God says you can have anything, humanity, my, my loved creation, my intimately designed creation, you can have anything. All I'm asking you to do is avoid the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what that means is, all I'm asking you to do is never believe you get to decide what's right and wrong. Trust me. Never get your morality from your thoughts, your feelings, or your emotions. You get your morality from the Word of God. I will decide what is right and what is wrong. He's saying, guys, you can do anything else in the world, but don't you ever begin to think that you get to decide what's good and what's evil because that's my job. Anything you want, you can have. But don't do that. Don't be so prideful that you begin to think you know right and wrong better than me. 
and you'll never guess what humanity does. <laughs> In three chapters, the whole world has fallen apart. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say you shouldn't decide what's right and wrong for yourself? Did God really say that he's the only one that gets to make the rules? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle. You're not even supposed to touch it. It's like that guy's driveway over there by the elementary school. You can't touch it, drive it, look at it. You don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> He's got a sign that says, don't even breathe on this particular piece of land. Don't touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll get to decide for yourself what's right and wrong. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and she ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her. And her, he ate it. <laughs> then the eyes of both of them were opened. Thanks, honey. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together to make a covering for themselves. The original sin. They realized who they now were. Right Now that they're deciding what's right and wrong on their own, now they realize we're wrong. Shame and guilt. The original sin. Deciding that I will elevate my morality over God's morality. I will decide what's right and wrong, not God. And it's not really that original of a sin because we all still do it. And that's the thing, like, I, I just remember growing up and people talking about Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, they ruined it all. No, it would have been ruined if it had been perfect till it got to me because I would have messed it up. And so would you. We've all committed this sin. We've rejected God's authority in our life. And so the world has fallen. And I, I know this isn't the Caleb encouraging word of the day yet, but trust me, we're getting there. The world has fallen. And so people say, well, why does bad things happen in this world if God made it good? Because we broke it. Because we chose sin. And so death and disease, and division, and hatred, and racism, and slavery, and, 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 and all of these things, these are results of sin in the world. And some of the things that have gone wrong in my life are results of my sin. And sometimes something can go wrong in your life, something horrible can happen, and it's not because of your sin, it's just because the world is sinful and broken. So I'm not saying your sin caused every bad thing that's happened, I'm saying the world is broken and bad things happen because of sin. That's why. And in this world that's broken, we as the body of Christ have to figure out where the grace is. And we have to figure out how, how do we respond to people when they say, well, how do you say God made a good world and now it looks like this? Right? And this is how the body of Christ has tried to respond in too many times, in my opinion. Throw that image up there for me, if you don't mind. You deserve good things. This is the message. This is our message, right, to the world. And it's the world's message to us. You deserve good things. You deserve it. You deserve it. How many times have you ever wanted to do something you know you shouldn't do, it, but you said, you know what? I deserve it. Let's all raise our hands again. Good. Some of you are going to deserve a honey knuckle sandwich if you don't start raising your hands. 
We deserve it. We, I deserve it. You deserve it. Everything good. You deserve it. Check out this next one. This next, this next one is the voice in our head talking to us on a regular basis. I don't know what the voice in your head sounds like. Mine kind of sounds like this, I think. Or like, no, hello. Hello, hello. That's mine. Darling, you deserve it all. This is the voice in your head. You deserve love and peace and magic and joy. <laughs> magic and joy and dancing in your eyes. You deserve hearty, deep belly laughter and the right to let those tears fall and water the soul. You deserve freedom and goodness and company and days of bliss and quiet too. You deserve you happy and healed and content and open. So keep going, darling, keep going. Go realize into being the life that you deserve. Tripe. That's what this is. This is junk. This is not the truth. This is not the truth. But this is what the world, this is even what Christian authors try to say. We deserve goodness. And the issue with this is, if you truly believe this, you will go to God believing you deserve him. And how's entitlement working out for this world so far? When you go to God believing you deserve God, you have missed the whole point. You don't deserve him, neither do I. Because Christ got what I deserved, but I got what he earned. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And so my goodness, like I, I can, if, if I believed I deserved it, I would only go before God when I felt worthy. But some of the greatest conversations I've ever had with God have been on the most unworthy days of my entire life. And he loved me, and he loved me then, and he loves me now, and he loves me every day in between. And his love is never based on my worth or my deserving. He paid the price, and I get the benefits. But we do not deserve it. We got to get this. We've got to, can you imagine going up to God and you see him and going, God, I'm here because I deserve it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take that chair because I deserve it. I feel like God would just grab my face and go, do, 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 you don't understand. Him's just confused. <laughs> no, we don't deserve it, but we got it. And how beautiful is this? How beautiful that it's not based on my goodness. It's not based on my ability or my any. It's just based on him. And in that for me is great freedom. You know, the worst thing, guys, when I, when I was at the worst part of my life, the worst thing someone could have done was come to me and say, hey, Tommy, there's nothing wrong with you. There was something wrong with me. I was dead. And now I'm alive. But I had to realize the mess I was in before I truly desired to get clean. And if we convince the world that they're not in a mess, they will never desire cleanliness. Let me tell you the beauty of this. It's not even our job to convince them they're dirty. The Holy Spirit will do that. Our job is to love them and love them and love them to the day their world crashes down. And then they come to us and we go, welcome home. Now you get it. You're not worthy, neither am I. Not worthy at all. But the one who was paid the price so that you and I might be free. And so it's a love story. It's the greatest love story the world has ever heard because he loved me before I even understood what his love was. It's the greatest love story the world has ever heard because he loves us when we don't deserve it and we never deserve it. And he loves it even though we can't earn it. 
and he loves us on our good days. And one of the greatest realizations of my life is the worst day of my life, I was completely and totally in need of Jesus Christ. And the best day, the day when I actually feel holy, I'm probably more in need of Jesus Christ. We need him. And he loves you. Not because of anything you've ever done, but because of what the king of the world created the world to do for you. And that is set you free to worship him. No, we don't deserve it. But he earned it, and we got it. And God is good.